Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Ways of Working podcast. I am your host, Adam Thackeray, and today is uh, a great day. We have a very exciting, highly successful entrepreneur joining us. Her name is Shelby Taylor. So Shelby is an entrepreneur on a mission to create good for the world through nutritious, organic meal options. As a young mother and health food store owner, Shelby recognized the challenge of putting a healthy meal on the table that everyone would enjoy. So she turned that family favorite, that is pasta, into a superfood. In 2016, Chickpea, the company, officially launched the organic pasta made from only chickpeas and lentils in the Canadian marketplace and then expanded into the U.S. in less than a year later. In 2017, Shelby and her husband welcomed their second child into the world just two days before signing her venture capital deal with District Ventures Capital, Arlene Dickinson's fund for innovative food and health brands. Shelby remains committed to using her business as a force for good, and in 2019, Chicopee was ranked in the top 10% of all certified B corporations on the planet. A reflection of the company's commitment to meet the highest standards of verified social and entrepreneurial environmental excuse me, performance, public transparency, and legal accountability to balance both profits and purpose. Now, with about six years of experience as an entrepreneur, Shelby continues to live outside her comfort zone, stand firm in her values, overcome challenges, and embrace failures, and she tries to help others do the same. As a certified woman-owned business, Shelby is passionate about helping other women bring their dreams to life. Shelby holds a bachelor's degree in media studies and journalism from the University of Guelph-Humber. Today, Shelby is the CEO of Chicopee in her hometown of Collingwood, Ontario, Canada where she lives currently with her husband and two children. Very excited to have Shelby on today. Um, you know, very grateful to have her on, and we have a very exciting conversation ahead. So without further ado, I would like to welcome Shelby Taylor. Uh, welcome to the Ways of Working podcast. Uh, Shelby, thank you so much for joining us today. Great to have you on the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's amazing. Really looking forward. I was I was super happy when, you know, Sarah said, you need to talk to Shelby. She's going to be amazing to have on the show. And, you know, it, it just made so much sense. And so I, I was very happy that uh, she did the intro and we could get this going. Um, you know, tell us a little bit, uh, you know, you went to school for journalism and, you mm -hmm. know, you've obviously, you know, migrated into the path of being a, a very successful entrepreneur. Obviously, we just discussed how you just received a, a latest successful funding round this morning, um, you know, and we're, we're in, in the April timeframe. Talk a little bit about how you went from, you know, being a journalist or, or be, you know, looking to become a journalist to successful entrepreneur. Was it a series of events? Was it a single event, like an aha moment? Like walk us through that. Sure. Oh, that's... um. I guess a long story, but, but overall, you know, I loved, I've always loved writing right from the time I was, you know, five or six years old, I was a bookworm and I read a lot. I wrote a lot. Um, so my passion was, was always writing. Yep. Uh, so it was pretty natural for me to go to school for journalism and, but I was always much more on the writing side than the broadcast side, even though I went in for, you know, um, also, broadcast magazine and and um but at the same time I, I really was interested in nutrition and, and that interest grew over time as well you know I would take my elective classes in nutrition um, and then when I was done school I was a magazine editor at a local homes magazine our homes here and based here in Collingwood yeah. and uh I love that uh but my favorite my favorite article that we always did was the one food recipe that was in the magazine. Yeah. And I just, I just love 
food and and nutrition. So I started to study nutrition on the side and and I guess that sort of overcame um you know my my desire to be in journalism and and that's what sort of led into a food business and I bought a small a health food store uh in Stainer. Okay. Uh in 2014 when I was pregnant with my first son. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess everything sort of snowballed from there. I knew I wanted to start a product line. I used the store for market research and learned so much from my customers, really learned that they were struggling to feed their families healthy meals that everyone would actually eat. eat. It, and it is a um, challenge, yes. <laughs> it is a challenge. I still I, I still have that challenge. So, you know, we eat uh chickpea a ridiculous amount around here because <laughs> I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. Nice. Um so, and so that's, you know, coming from my customers is when I dug into it and realized how much they were eating pasta, but you know, how they really didn't feel great about it. That's where, that's where the idea came from. And I, like you said, I, my background is in journalism, not in business, but I think that those communication skills are, you know, really what got me here because I had to bring on investors before we even had product. You know, I really had to communicate my ideas. I had to pitch it angel investor groups. So, you know, for a while I thought, oh man, I went to school and I'm not even using that education, but I am actually using that education every day. Yeah, no doubt. Like, well, and communication is like the number one problem in business and actually getting things done. And the fact that you went and got funding from investors before you had product, like talk a bit about that because normally, especially here in Canada, very risk adverse uh, investing community, and there's not exactly a desire to hand over money as much as there would be out of the U.S. Can you talk us through a bit about that and you know how it went? Maybe some of your tactics you might pass on to the rest of the universe for able to to navigate those waters. Sure. So yeah, that was um, a very crazy time. And because I don't have a background in business or raising capital, Mm -hmm. I didn't know anything about it. I was very lucky to um, get connected with a local advisor um, who at the time was the founder of the Georgian Angel Network. And he, so he made some introductions for me and I was very, very naive. I had a brand new baby at home and I just thought, you know, well, why not, why not give it a shot? Mm -hmm. So, and I remember very well, my first meeting uh, with an investor, I went to their office and I will never forget. She said to me, I can't believe you came here without any product to actually try. And it was because we couldn't produce it yet. It was an idea. We knew it was possible, but our pasta, because it's made with, with only chickpeas and lentils is very hard to produce. It takes super sophisticated equipment and a lot of expertise, but there was a local, um, company that had a pasta that had, that had chickpeas in it. And so I left the meeting, I drove to a local store. I found that pasta. I brought it back and said, you know, it'll be kind of like this, but better. (laughs) Um, I was like, just so nervous. And I remember driving home from that meeting. I won't lie. I was actually in tears just thinking, Oh my gosh, what am I thinking? I can't do this. This is. And, um, and she called me when I pulled into my driveway and said, okay, we're in for 25,000. And I was just blown away. Like to me, that was like, it could have been a million dollars. Like that's what it, that's what it felt like. That's amazing. Congratulations for just doing it. 
Thank you. Thank you. And then it was just sort of meeting after meeting. And, and really what I started to learn was that people were investing in me mm-hmm. even more so than the idea. You know, you still have to have the right idea and the right plan, but it was me that, that they were betting on. And uh, I felt like, you know, that whole imposter syndrome, but I still feel that sometimes, but I felt it big time back then. Like I was you know, scheming them out of their money or something. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that, and that's crazy too, because, you know, you know, we were talking about this chickpeas growing massive right now. It's at a thousand percent growth. Mm-hmm. I, I read recently. And so you're experiencing, you know, hyper growth and that that's amazing. And you're also choosing to, to stay in, and grow it in this region. So in Collingwood, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what was the decision to do that? Cause obviously you're connected to a large number of individuals. You're, you're selling across North America, why Collingwood versus, you know, Toronto, which has got bigger distribution perhaps, or another, you know, another locale that, that might have more things at its fingertips? Right. Well, it's pretty simple, actually. I was born and raised here mm-hmm. in Collingwood. And, you know, when I was a kid, it was nothing like it is now. There, It was a very, very small town, no interwest, you know, very small tourism industry. And so I kind of grew up thinking it wouldn't be possible to come back until, you know, maybe I was retired. I didn't even realize how much I loved it here until I did move away to Toronto and Mm. then Ottawa. And I just, I missed the small town. I missed the water. And, um, you know, I wanted to give my kids the, the same kind of childhood that I had. So I just love it here. And I thought, you know, I'm not a city girl. Yeah. Uh, and I just thought, you know, if I can start a business and be in the place that I love, why not? Uh, you get the best of both worlds. That's amazing. And, and where do you mm-hmm. think like, you know, cause obviously you're a, a growth company and there's obviously desire to have more growth organizations in the region. Um, you know, what do you see as, as happening over the next, you know, five or 10 years as Collingwood starts to get bigger, it starts to grow up, you know, and get more people here. There's successful companies such as yours. Where do you, mm-hmm. th- you know, where do you see things going? Um, that's a good question. You know, especially with the last year, um, you know, with what it feels like half of the city moving up here due to COVID. Um, I think it's, it's actually quite challenging for businesses. Well, it opens up a lot of opportunities for those um, who didn't live here to, to live and work here, which I think is, is great is, you know, that more people will have the opportunity to live and work in such a beautiful spot. Um, but it's actually brought up, you know, posed a lot of challenges too. Um, one being housing yeah. is a huge issue here right now and housing affordability. Um, so, you know, when I'm trying to attract new employees, it's, it's uh, challenging for them to come up here from another space. So I try to hire within the region or I have to offer an opportunity to work from home at least for a little bit too, because it's, you know, it's a, it's a nearly impossible housing market. So it's a bit difficult to understand where, where it's going to go in the local region. I I think we're going to see more and more people living up here. I don't think that's going to slow down, but as for opportunities, for work, you know, I try to hire as many local people as possible. And like you said, we're growing so fast. I, I just hired three new people in the last six weeks nice. and two of the three of them are local and one will have to work virtually. So, um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. And, and I want to say, I'm looking forward to where it's going, but I'm also a little bit nervous that it's not going to be the small town that, that I, you know, that I know and love. 
And do you think there's a, a chance, you know, to move like because sustainability is becoming a, a big topic, you know, in business and overall. And, you, you know, Chicopee is a certified B Corporation, top 10 percent in the world. Mm-hmm. Um which is amazing to get that certification and kudos to you for doing it. Um, you know, what, what's the importance of that and, and sustainability for this region in order to, to help, you know, with driving the next economy, with driving that balance and, and putting things into action, if you will? You know, I think it's, I mean, it's incredibly important. And, you know, we, we base our business on those values um, and making sure that we are, you know, not only damaging, not only not damaging our environment, sorry, um, but, you know, contributing to the health of it. And yeah, I think what I do think the virtual world offers opportunities for is certainly improve sustainability. You know, as you may know, in the past, uh, Collingwood was, is more of an industrial town. So when I grew up, my grandfather, you know, worked in the shipyards and, so it was either a little bit of tourism or industrial. So the way that the world can work now can work a lot more sustainably. So our manufacturing is not here in Collingwood. It's in Italy where we can work with a company that's already um, very sustainable with many incredible you know, environmental standards and certifications. Um, I'm not really sure if I'm answering your question, but I think that, you know, given the the attractive or the, what's most attractive about this area for most people is the outdoor yep. natural space. And so I think we all have like a shared interest in preserving it. For sure. And do you think there's attraction to, to more women-based organizations? Like you're certified, you know, women organization, obviously you're the mm-hmm. CEO of the company. Um, do you think there is growth in that? We, you know, we see a lot of great companies starting to, to build up in the region, whether it's being a small startup or, or an ex, you know, a hyper growth company like yourself, do you see more women entrepreneurs and women led organizations coming out of the region then as well? Yeah, I would say, and not just in the region, but overall, there's more women led businesses, um, more entrepreneurial, um, programs geared towards, you know, helping women get started. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that, there's a lot. Well, I don't know if that's even fair to say, but I think there's, you know, a lot of women that would be up in this area uh, that maybe wouldn't have taken the leap or it wasn't such an entrepreneurial area before, but now there's more resources up here uh, for entrepreneurs. So now I see a lot more women taking the chance. Plus the food business, the space that I'm in um, is there's a lot more women in the food space than say in the tech space. And there's a lot more opportunities in the food space now for entrepreneurial women. So I see, I see, I see a lot more women coming up in the area, but I do think that that's overall as well. And, and how do you, you know, the, you mentioned the food space, how do you see that has evolved since you've really gotten into it with Chicopee? Like, you know, in, in terms of just like how things have ran from a business perspective, tech adoption, you know, logistics. You know, because I wasn't really in the business before, I'm, I'm not totally sure how it was done before, but I do know um, that statistically, uh, women are much more likely to run their businesses as, uh, you know, social enterprises or, mm. you know, to give back um, a lot of B Corps or women are more likely to run B Corps in the area as well, or not sorry in the area, but overall. And um, I'm sorry, I think I forgot your. Oh, it, it was, it, it was, it was around just the, the, how the food industry might've changed. So like, there's like, you know, technologies become rampant. You started to adopt the use of technology mm-hmm. for some of your digital pieces and, and right. likely logistics and supply chain. I'm um, just wondering how you've seen it evolve in terms of 
the the industry itself over the last few years, having worked in it now? Right. Sorry. So I think a better way to answer that question, um, you know, I think the mo the way that it's evolved the most is is with e-commerce mm. and the technology around that. So, like for example, like I said, we're up here in Collingwood, but we don't house our product here. We keep a very small amount. We work with third-party logistics companies. We work with fulfillment houses. Uh, we work with Amazon and the e-commerce aspect has really made it possible for people to succeed without even necessarily getting into the, the greater space that's retail and having to work with distributors and retailers and, yeah. and, you know, all of the things that come along with that. So you can run a successful food business without, um, you know, without, with, without the incredible overhead necessarily that comes with, with the bigger space. And I think that that's made uh, for a lot of opportunities for everyone, but I think particularly women too, who are maybe not necessarily looking to do something as huge um, and something that they can do from home and that offers them more flexibility as well. A a lifestyle business versus necessarily always striving for the unicorn, uh, you know, or or the the great one. I think that's an interesting point because, and I think this has been brought up before, but around being, you know, an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean, yes, you have to build a unicorn company. If you do, that's great. Go after it and do it. But um, entrepreneurs come in, you know, all shapes and sizes in terms of the types of businesses they're looking to build and, and what success and contentment may mean for them. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. You know, when I started this business, I didn't necessarily understand the two paths that you could take. And the one being, you know, you go big and you get investment and, you know, one day you sell or go public or you go the other route, like what you said is more of a lifestyle business and something that you can do long-term and, and grow slowly. Um, you know, maybe not bring on outside investors or not venture capitalists. And, and I think both routes are valid. It's really about, you know, what do you want and what do you see yourself doing? And I'm not sure that I really had that vision from, day one and I chose a path and, and I've gone with it, but I'm, I'm always so interested to hear of others paths as well. Very cool. Yeah. Well, and, and at least you chose the path, right? A lot of times making that decision and putting yourself out there can be a, a big challenge. So again, congrats for you and kudos for, for doing that. Um, Thank you. you you've worked with, you know, in, and with Arlene Dickinson and as well as her accelerator program, how, how has that experience been? And, and, you know, in terms of, you know, the partnership and the, the dialogue back and forth that you've had, uh, you know, b- between the two of you and, and working with her, how's, how's that experience been? Uh, it's been great. Honestly, Arlene was my first uh, venture capitalist and they had invited me into their accelerator program, which is based in Calgary. Mm-hmm. I guess it was back in uh, late 2016. So very early on in the business. Yep. And we had already had some success and I was pregnant with my second child at the time. So I didn't get to go there very often. I actually only went there once um, and I did the rest of it virtual. Uh, but I met Arlene the time that I went there and, you know, we just connected and the business was at the right stage that we started to talk about investment and she was just raising her fund for the first time. Uh, her her district ventures capital fund. Yep. So I believe we were the first or if not the second business that the fund invested in. Um, and so we've kind of grown together in terms of, you know, her growing her fund and um, us growing the business. And I think, you know, I've learned so much from her. She's also on my board. Uh, so she's at every board meeting. Uh, she takes an incredible amount of interest in the business. Um, 
and, and in helping me to grow as an entrepreneur as well. So, you know, a lot of people are, I think, surprised to know how much time she's actually given me in the business. Cause she's clearly a very busy woman, but yeah. she's, uh, she's given me a great deal. Well, that's great. It's nice to have that, that true support from other successful entrepreneurs, right? So it, it mm-hmm. can be a challenge. What, how do you think the support in this region is in terms of, you mentioned it before and, and you've obviously worked with a, a number of individuals here. You mentioned the, the previous person who ran GAN, but in terms of support, do you think, uh, there, there's sufficient support in the region and it's not meant to be a negative against it. It's just mean there's always continuous improvement that can take place. And I, I'd be mm-hmm. interested to see, you know, what exists today. Do you feel that there are some key things that the region could work on to, to develop better support? Um, and if so, do you have any ideas around that? Right. When I started, I, when I started the business, I think that sort of entrepreneurial ecosystem was just sort of uh, gaining ground in the Barry area. Mm-hmm. And so I spent a lot of time there. I worked with, um, the Henry Burnick entrepreneurship center, which is actually where I met that member of GAN. Um, and then I worked with the creative space and the Smothis competition downtown. So I felt like a big part of that Barry space as they were just sort of growing yep. and felt like maybe they were just a little bit behind my growth at the time, but they have come so far. Um, the amount of, uh, support and programs uh, that they offer, you know, between the city and um, and and Georgia College and and even outside colleges as well, is really incredible. And that's grown into the Collingwood space too. So you know, I know we have a lot of talk of of starting up an accelerator program here. We have the Foundry. You know, we have a number of uh, spaces, and, and then we have the local college campus as well. So, and the, and the center for business and economic development has both invested in my business, um, and provided financial support for us too. So I think it's incredible how fast it's grown and how much interest there is in growing the the community as an entrepreneurial space. And it might not have been as helpful to me at the stage that I was at, but I think where it is now is very helpful to those who are starting out. Amazing. And you know, you, you, uh, your organization is, is moving into the, or has moved into the U.S. How do you find that that's different in terms of business operations or scalability? Um, because going into the U.S. is obviously a, a very large marketplace. Yeah, it's a beast. And we, we launched there so early on because our manufacturing was there. So when we started, our manufacturing was in the U.S. And we thought, you know, being as naive as I was back then, just well, we're manufacturing there. So why don't we just launch there? And, you know, I hired a sales broker and he set up distribution and this is all over some time. And, you know, we were very, very fortunate that it was just the right timing for our product in that market. Mm -hmm. Um, there we were just behind this, this one leader in the space and in Canada, like we are the leader in that space. And, um, so we just went national and that's also the reason why I have to raise so much capital because it costs so much money. Uh, you don't can't even really comprehend how different, not just the U S is, but different, like from state to state and the different regions, you know, they, they're different. And like you said, it's massive. So, um, I'm really happy that we made that decision because we're, you know, we're distributed nationwide, you know, we're, one of the top uh, brands in the space. And if we had to come in later, it would have been very difficult, but it's certainly not a move I would recommend to everyone, you know, especially if you're, especially if you're going the bootstrapping route or whatnot, but it's a, 
we've learned uh, they do business differently and um, in a number of ways, and, but also the same in a number of ways. So it's been, a, we'll just say it's been a learning experience to say the least. Oh, that's amazing. And is it like with the state, like moving state to state, is that around just like the laws or there's there's a number of factors there that, that contribute to it just being a challenge when moving from one to another? I think it's, it's culture and consumer needs, you know, like mm. we, you know, we know, like say that, you know, the South is quite different from the North, but right. you know, East coast to West coast, you think even in, so think of everywhere in Canada, there's not really um, a province in Canada where there's not a, a cold pasta season. And in the U S <laughs> you know, you're like, you have States that are, you know, they're not going to eat pasta as heavily because it's hot year round. And so that, that's a very simple example, but then there's a lot of, you know, um, cultural dietary, um, I'm not going to say dietary needs. I can't think of the right word right now, but you know, like, um, differences between, yeah. between what people eat and, and it's just kind of learning that and who your customer is and in, in each of those regions too. I think that's, that's interesting because the whole understanding of the customer, because it would make sense. Yeah. Like if you're in the depths of Texas in the middle of the summer, you're not likely going to warm up to a, a big bowl of pasta. Whereas in New York, pasta is all year round. So it's. Yeah. And in Texas, they may not, you know, some certainly will, but they may not accept pasta as a protein mm. alternative as, as right. much as those in California would. Do you th- what was it a in the beginning was it a big educational exercise to get people to appreciate that you know it, it, there is a tremendous amount of of protein um, in this pasta because obviously pasta is traditionally high carb you know and, and that yeah. sort of exercise how, how did that you know take place and what was a was there a tipping point if you will when people started to have those moments where like they got it and then it really started to move? Yeah, it was, um, it's been a really interesting journey to see how much that the category has evolved overall. But, you know, I think people are always very interested or surprised of the amount of protein. And, and that's a, that's a huge, uh, that's a huge selling point for the pastas and yeah. thinking, oh, I could have this instead of this. But of course, as the plant-based movement uh, has grown and, and not just the number of, you know, vegans, and vegetarians, but the whole flexitarian market and people just looking to reduce animal consumption, that message yeah. has, has really grown and resonated with people even more. And, but before that, even, you know, people were looking for, have always been looking for healthier alternatives to the foods they love. And, and that's where chickpeas always been easy to sell is that it's, you know, we're not trying to get you to buy, um, I don't know, uh, a kale, acai bar, you know, something that's really different from what you're already eating. We're just saying, Hey, why don't you, instead of having white pasta, have this instead, and it will actually contribute to your health. So it's always actually been a a fairly, uh, fairly easy sell that way. That's great. And, and, you know, I I always ask guests, um, you know, three books and maybe it's like three books that have really inspired the the change or your success. Do you have, uh, do you have three books that, uh, and maybe it's ones you're reading recently, or but they, they can be any time in, in, in your life of of ones that you love and importance and had impact. Oh, good question. You know, when you're running a business and have two kids at home, my <laughs> my my book wormishness has uh, gone down a little bit. I mean, I have read a couple of Brene Brown's books and mm-hmm. I absolutely um, you know, resonate with her, you know, leading with vulnerability. And, and I think that's in many ways, the, the type of leader I am and has helped me to, 
to grow into that and accept it more um, rather than trying to be sort of the, you know, the leader that, that some people or, you know, that you kind of think leaders are supposed to be like, or you have, you know, the space in, you know, entrepreneurship in general has been dominated by men and, you know, women lead differently. So that's really helped me to lean into my natural leadership tendencies, uh, her books. And let me try to think of another one. I'm looking over at my bookshelf here thinking (laughs) what has really resonated with me. I can't even think of another one right now. All right. No worries. We'll we'll move on. (laughs) Brene Brown has written a number of books and she is amazing. And so there's there's enough that people can line their, their bookshelves with a few of hers to, to catch up on. Um, You know, you mentioned that, you know, obviously the entrepreneurial world has been, you know, more dominated by men, but obviously there's more women coming up and and doing it. You know, what, what sort of advice would you have just based on what you have learned to, you know, up and coming women entrepreneurs and to be helpful with them, to get to be themselves? Like, it's okay to be yourself. It's okay to do that. Like, don't hesitate. Mm -hmm. Or what sort of advice would you have for them? That's a great question. Cause I think one of the the hardest things about being a woman entrepreneur is, is this whole idea of balance and trying to balance your family with your career. And, and to be honest, I think, you know, balance is in the general sense is BS and Mm -hmm. it's, you know, finding the balance that works for you. And that might mean for, you know, Q1 of every year, you're crazy busy, but you get to pour a little bit more of yourself into your family in Q2, whatever, It means, and I, and I also, this idea that we have to do it all because no, you know, I think men were raised and, you know, especially in previous generations to think that if they were the breadwinners of the family, they were doing their part for their family. But you know, what I've learned is there's no amount of breadwinning that will make a woman think that she's doing her part for the family. If she's not there as also the emotional support and, and the one making sure that things are organized and, and that is just, it's so much. And there's this idea that we have to do it all and be good at it all. So like my recommendation, number one is hire help at home and don't feel guilty about it. You know, your time, you don't have to be good at doing laundry. It sounds so simple, but yeah. just, you know, focus on where your strengths are and and hire at home the same way that you would hire in your business because it's okay. And, uh, and this, the pressure and the guilt that comes with trying to be still a great mom and a great entrepreneur and a great wife is so, so much. And I don't think in general, men feel that same kind of pressure or understand it. So it's, it's up to us to really, you know, make sure that, that our family's needs are met. And, um, I don't mean that, that it's not up to men. It's it's up (laughs) to us to make sure that our needs are met. Yes. And, uh, and, and that's really the best advice that I can give, because for me, that's been the hardest, that's been the hardest part. Uh, That's great advice. I I like that a lot. And is there ways that you find that you think, you know, men can be more supportive, right? Like a lot of times it's support, but it's not, there's no action behind it perhaps, or there's no follow through. Are there ways that, you know, we, we can be a little better at at providing support in, in any capacity? Wow. That's a good question too. And good for you for asking it. Uh, (laughs) You know, I think, um, I think a lot of women, like we're really hard on ourselves Mm -hmm. and it might not necessarily be up to men to give us more support, but for us to take it. And 
I think, you know, one men could tell you it's okay a little bit more often, you know, mm, it's okay yeah. that that laundry didn't get done or yeah. it's okay. Or really maybe even just help some more. I mean, I'm super fortunate. My husband is the one who picks our, our kids from school and takes them to school and kind of works some odd jobs just so I can have the flexibility for the business. Yeah. But I, I know a lot of my, you know, aspiring women friends don't have that. And I see the struggle. I think that, you know, entrepreneurial men could stop defining what entrepreneurship is for everyone. And, you know, when I started this, it was like, you have to work, you know, 14 to 16 hour days to be successful. There's this very stringent idea of, of what you had to do to be successful. And I do not, I generally work eight hour days. I take weekends off, you know, unless there's something absolutely pressing, I get more done in an eight hour day than than most people I know get done in a 12 or 13 hour day. We'll just say that because I have other obligations and mm -hmm. I have people that, you know, that need me here. So I just think you define entrepreneurship is no one thing. It's, it's whatever you make of it. I think that's great advice. Thank you for that. Um, so where can people find you? So obviously you're the CEO of Chicopee, but if somebody wanted to get in touch with you for, for any sort of reason, what, what's the best way for them to, to reach out to you? I always say to get in touch with our, our customer service email. So hello at chickapea.com um, and just can be directed the right way. I might not, you know, depending on your needs, I might not be the right person to talk to. And, and I'm not going to lie. I'm pretty protective yes. of my time. Um, you can also reach out to me on LinkedIn, but I sort of have a love hate relationship there and I'm, I'm obsessed <laughs> with it for a couple months and then I'm off of it for a couple months. So um, I would reach out to hello at chickapea.com and then, um, you'll be directed to me if it's, if it's the right inquiry. Very cool. Um, and Oh, uh, you have a, a new product out as well. So, you know, we talked about the, you know, it's been pretty easy to get people to, to kind of shift from, you know, traditional pasta to, to chickpea, but you also have a, a new product out there focused on adding greens to it as well, mm -hmm. which is pretty cool. Uh, can you tell me a bit more about it? Cause I was interested about it. My family's had the, the penne and they like it. We've got it from wild stand down the road here. And oh, that's um, great. yeah. And so we like that a lot, but, uh, talk a bit more about this new one. We haven't had a chance to try this yet. Sure. So it's our same pasta with just the chickpeas and lentils, but we've added kale and spinach to it. Oh, nice. And it's actually a line that we just launched in the U.S., um, but we do have it available online here in Canada as well. Um, so that's it. The only ingredients are chickpeas, lentils, kale, and spinach. So, I mean, it's got your vegetables, your protein, your fiber, all in one. If you eat it with absolutely nothing else, it's a healthy meal in itself. That's crazy. That is like a true superfood. It is. And it's pasta. <laughs> yeah. Who doesn't like a nice bowl of pasta, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Amazing. All right. Well, Shelby, thank you so much for joining us today on the Ways of Working podcast. Really appreciate your time and uh, best of luck with the rest of your week. Thank you. Thank okay. you for having thank me. You. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. That's a wrap, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate you tuning in and listening to the Ways of Working podcast. If you'd like more on Ways of Working or have any questions, you can go to 
www.thack.ca forward slash links. So that's thack.ca forward slash links, where you can access all episodes, uh, previous episodes of the podcast. You can access interesting articles and insights around ways of working. And if you want to get in touch with myself, you can also, uh, you know, for discovery sessions or, or more information around ways of working, you know, I'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to reach out to me there as well. All right. So thank you very much and hope you enjoy the rest of your day.